nothing. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Squat Cobbler. I am Dr. Mike at Official Pagan on everything and joining me as always. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. This is Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-D-H-O-L on Twitter and Instagram. And with that grunt, I'd like to remind you guys to like and subscribe. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're back on our prisoner exchanges and it's finally happened. I've given Kelly a country playlist. Now, Kelly, going into this, what did you think when I told you you were getting a country playlist? Well, because you had tipped me off a little bit about uh, Hank Williams III and that while he identifies his country, <laughs> there's other elements and things that kind of go on in his stuff as well. So I I knew that it would uh, not be an Alabama album that I'd be listening to here, and it certainly wasn't by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I knew while you said you liked country, I knew you probably liked a version of country, which is more than adequately reflected in this playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a little bit of backstory for anybody who isn't familiar with Mr. Hank Williams III, it's the third because he's the grandson of the the famous country music trailblazer Hank Williams and the son of the famous NFL theme song singer <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. And there there are other country musicians and and such from his family as well. His backstory is is ridiculous. It's something that I've never heard before. It's it's the most insane music story ever. Basically, he trying to avoid. I don't want to say avoid the family business, but but not cash in on the family name. He mostly played drums and bass and different things in punk and metal bands when he was younger, intentionally not making country music records because he didn't want to just trade off of his name. And then it turned out that uh, along the way, he made a couple of babies and owed some back child support on that. So he was forced by a court order to sign with Curb Records, which is the largest country music label in the world. Every like pop country record that comes out is a Curb Record product, at least any ones that have sold any really substantial amount of records. He was court ordered to sign a record deal with them and put out country music. So initially, he was sort of dressed up as a weird... <laughs> ghost looking version of his grandfather he of course more so his grandfather and his father he has a striking resemblance to his grandfather physically and also vocally uh, they have a very similar vocal delivery and vocal range the record company tried to cash in on that and dress him like him and even have him sing like old songs of his and he was luckily able to start pushing away from that and doing some more solo stuff. And eventually he turned in a record called This Ain't Country, which they were flat out refused to release, which put them at a standstill because he was court ordered to be on this record label to pay his back child support. And they were refusing to release his music, which led to a very protracted, very public standoff between him and the record label, which included awesome things like him selling fuck curb t-shirts at his show, <laughs> which isn't a great way to make friends at your record label. Eventually the courts semi-sided with him and did force curb records to release his next project because he pointed out that they were actually standing in the way of him making money by refusing to release his music. And he actually ironically did deliver a pretty traditional straightforward country record, just not with the lyrical content they would have preferred he put out an album called straight to hell and interestingly enough it actually became at that point his most successful record and it was something that was really hailed as like this breakthrough in country music uh which is funny because again curb records wanted no parts of that to the degree that they actually came up with a fake 
record label name to put on the back because they didn't even initially want their logo on it. Walmart refused to stock it, which was a first ever for a mainstream country release. It was also the first major country release to have a parental advisory warning on it. It may, depending on Kelly's <laughs> reaction to the playlist, be a Prisoner Exchange album at some point. But after then, they did give him a little bit more leeway on what he could release, including releasing some more metal-oriented stuff. And eventually, he fulfilled his contract with them and now releases records through through other means. Metal fans will know him more for his time in bands like Super Joint Ritual and Arson Anthem. And of course, if you're fans of our material, he was the first ever guest on Loud and Loaded. So when I first announced that I was going to start a radio station, he immediately reached out to us and was like, I want to be the first guest. And he was. So we have a long history with him. He's been on numerous times on different things. Really great guy. Kelly, what was your reaction to this playlist? Top line. Uh, Top line. I enjoyed it. The music listener, Kelly, enjoyed it. The Kelly who has to edit these podcasts and create a version that he can put on YouTube. There were elements of this playlist that he was less excited about, but music Kelly liked it. Very nice. Well, we're going to start with a song called Tennessee Driver. We're just jumping right into it. <laughs> so Tennessee Driver is a long time. So there's a thing that happened because of his long standoff with the record label, which was he he continued to tour because he, he did have to make money and, of course, continued writing songs. There were songs that because of years of not releasing music, he'd been kicking around live and had been bootlegged endlessly for years and years and years. So some of these songs were actually released many years after most people heard them the first time. Tennessee Driver is one of those songs. So this was a staple of his live shows and a fan favorite for a very long time before Curb Records actually put it out. And they didn't even release it officially on a Hank Williams III record until after he left the label. The version that's on here, because he initially gave them a country version of this song that they refused to release. So later, after he got a little more leeway after the success of Straight to Hell, they did let him release a more metal-leaning record, but released it initially under the name Ass Jack, which was uh, his backing band at one point. That was the name of one of his backing bands. So this is the more metal version of that song, but a fan favorite. When you see it play live, it's usually the more country-leaning version of it. Well, my my first thought, so there's a lot of confusion on... <laughs> yeah, cause it, so this is a Hank Williams III playlist, and the first song's by Ass Jack. So, which I'm, I'm creating edits for me as I speak, but yeah, so I was confused by that. And also Mike quite proudly has indicated for quite a while, Hey, I'm giving you a country playlist and Hey, this first song's not really a country song in my opinion at all. And so it's a good song. Any song that's got, Hey, Hey, Hey in it delivered with earnestness is always a, a keeper for me. I had in my notes kind of punky, kind of thrashy kind of sound to it. So it's a much more metal kind of delivery. It's a it's a fun song. It's a good song. I did, again, I don't know why all roads lead back to Alice Cooper, but many of them do. It's The Little Things by Alice Cooper. I think as you kind of hear parts of this song structure, maybe it's just because of some of the, the kind of staccato guitar that kind of goes in between. I just, I didn't think this sounded, you know, highly like it, but I did, I did recall It's The Little Things as I heard this, which is, again, not a country song. <laughs> so it's much more of a Detroit song. 
So I don't know if you picked up a little bit on the little things kind of similarity to it at all, but, but I liked it. I thought it was an interesting start. It wasn't quite what I expected for the kickoff of a country playlist, but a very good song. I didn't pick up on that, but again, I'm mo- very familiar with the country version of the song. So this is the more metal leaning version he released later on the Ass Jack record. So it's the country version I'm more familiar with. So that's what I can hear the country elements in this one still because I'm more familiar with the original. But I wanted to start off with something that was a little more driving rock because I didn't know how country you were willing to go. I'm not going to give you any material here. I, <laughs> I had a couple comments that crossed my mind, but I just said I enjoyed this playlist. Okay. Well, that brings us to our next song so this is from straight to hell again this is a song that had been played for many years before an official released version of it came out that comes into play a little bit with the backstory of the song so this was a a fun sing-along rowdy live song it's called dick and dixie I won't finish I mean, the other formally part of that. Richard Richard and Dixie. I believe was the original title. Well, so actually, on the on the live releases that that had come out, he made some like tour stuff that had some live tracks on it, and it was bootlegged endlessly. And it's the other part of that lyric that the song was originally titled. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I'll refrain for Kelly's editing sake from saying. But it was actually that was the title. So when he finally got them to release Straight to Hell, they settled on the the first part of dick and dixie for the name of the song definitely super straightforward country on this one although it's mocking the fact that he isn't considered country by by some of the more like staunch country people which is funny because when you actually break it down musically his stuff is very much country based his voice is almost identical to his grandfather's in fact early in his time on curb records they released a record of him singing his grandfather's songs interspliced with his grandfather's actual voice. And if it weren't for the fact that you can clearly hear the the difference between a newer and older recording, their voices are identical. And it's not something I, I think in the beginning, especially because they were trying to dress him like him and things like that. People thought that was something he was affecting to try and cash in on that. It's not. That's just what he sounds like because that was his grandfather. So he he does sound and look a great deal like him. And it's something that we've touched on when he's been on different podcasts and things with me where you wouldn't think it now listening to his grandfather's music. It, it sounds almost quaint. But at the time, it was not very well received by like mainstream country music fans ironically it was considered pretty edgy and his lifestyle was very much frowned upon in fact he was removed from the country music hall of fame which is a whole big thing that the third generation of the Williamses has been trying to get corrected for a while because of his his sort of harder partying lifestyle and some of his darker lyrics. So I, in my opinion, he he's very much just carrying on the tradition of his grandfather and what he did with his music. This song, though, did stir up a lot of controversy, not because of the lyrical content, but because it was released after another country music artist who's a lot more mainstream leaning, Shooter Jennings, who is the son of Waylon Jennings. So another another generation of major country performers released an album called, or a song, I, I believe, and also an album that has a similar title called Put the O Back in Country. And this was after Mr. Williams III had been playing this song live for years. So he took it as a direct ripoff of what he was doing in this song. What were your thoughts, sir? So not politically correct on many ways uh, in the lyrics. It's like, I don't know. In our new uh, wokeness that we now live in, there's he might have some trouble here and there. But Which uh, part? Single it out for All me. of it. <laughs> but 
So there's some early there's some early stuff. A nice guitar on this. And I need to clarify my my next note, which is felt longer smiley face <laughs> so this is not a particularly long song it felt a lot longer to me but not in a bad way <laughs> but I, I think part of it was what was running through my mind was potential editing issues <laughs> and so that was where I was like oh I don't know but this is actually kind of, I think it's one of the shortest songs on the playlist but it felt longer <laughs> so I just thought I'd share that with you but no I, this actually was my favorite song on the playlist nice and this is from Straight to Hell which at some point will be a Prisoner Exchange album it is and again it was his, his breakout album it became a really big seller, much to the chagrin of Curb Records, who never wanted to release it to begin with. And we're actually in a turn on them of what they did to him. We're forced by a court order to release the album. It's actually a double album. So the first album is pretty traditional country like this in the set musically traditional country, but really technical guitar work and darker, very like satirical lyrics of the country music establishment because of what he was going through. And then the second half of the album, if you get the original version Walmart insisted on not having a double version of the album at all because they hated the second version, the second disc so much. And a couple of songs, including this one, were dropped completely from the Walmart version. But the entire second disc was excised, which is more like ambient music and experimental stuff. Oh, very cool. So it's a, it's a weird, interesting record. But if if we do it as the Prisoner Exchange, it'll be the full double version of it, not the Walmart censored version. <laughs> so that brings us to the next song. That was, I, I decided to go with a song that was a, a staple of Loud and Loaded as a radio station, and that's Demon's Mark. As I said, uh, Mr. Williams was in multiple metal bands, and he was a particularly big fan of doom metal. So when he got off of Curb Records, one of the things that they really tried to push him away from doing was anything doom metal oriented. So doom metal, if anybody doesn't know, it's kind of slower, more droning feel to it. One of the first things he did was release a full doom metal album <laughs> called Attention Deficit Domination. And this is actually one of the shorter songs on it. I had the opportunity to see him do a live show. So his shows, he does two full sets when he plays live. Typically, he'll do a full show country music and then he'll do a full show of punk and metal songs, both from like punk and metal versions of his stuff to, and also stuff from bands he's played with over the years, different metal bands. So you get two full shows and i mean full show like full 90 minute sets with like a 10 minute break between them i saw him though when he first well i've seen him numerous times but i got the opportunity to see him when he first got off of curb records he actually released four albums on the same day after he got off curb records this was one of them and what he did was he did his full country show he did a full metal show and then he came back out again to dedicate two shorter sets one to this album in particular and played most of this album live and then something that's coming later that i'll get to when we get there live as well really divided the audience even the ones who were used to the split between the country and metal stuff a lot of people weren't on board for the full-on metal that this became what did you think sir so again, it's supposed to be a country playlist. This one diverted a little bit. I mean, th- this had, I mean, there's some of that metal roots to it. In fact, back to Mr. Cooper again, I feel that this particular song could have nestled into Along Came a Spider perfectly well. Could have oh, I there. could definitely see that. Yeah. You know, super fiery guitar. Ending is really, really, really strong. This is a really good song. I enjoy it. I'm a big fan of Along Came a Spider. And so the fact I say this would fit in well and work well in it is a compliment in and of itself. So I like I like this quite a bit. Very nice. So that brings us to another more traditional country song, Rebel Within. So this was post Straight to Hell. He was riding a little bit of wave, still stuck under Curb Records, but 
about to leave them finally which is reflected a great deal on this song he on this song and also on this album again back to the more traditional country he had two more albums for curb after straight to hell stuck pretty straightforward country on both of them but particularly on this album decided to lash out at curb records including there's an entire song dedicated to what a terrible institution they are (laughs) as well as an entire song about the country music hall of fame this song in particular though has become a staple of his life shows in large part to get the call and response chorus to it which kelly mentioned before we got on the air yes i did <laughs> <laughs> now were those tattoo lyrics for you sir they were not it is great he has an excellent live band and again this, the shows are very long but particularly when i fir- the first couple times i went to see him were, were smaller clubs like bars when he small bars when he was playing with metal bands and then smaller clubs when he was doing the country stuff now he plays like bigger theaters and things like that and just seeing a couple thousand people scream along to <laughs> i'm drunk and stoned let's fuck till dawn is great <laughs> thanks for the edit that's first thing <laughs> So my notes, traditional song, definitely kind of a good edge to it, but a country song. But my notes explicitly read, this is a very traditional song, except when Gore shows up and sings the background lyrics. <laughs> you know, so the <laughs> the call and response, you got a straight kind of country delivery of it. And then Gore pops in the studio and <laughs> delivers the, the response to the call and response. Um and we're not done with Gore. They'll be back. But they are uh, they are here on that. So I thought it was a fun song. I thought it was really cool. Interesting uh, juxtaposition between kind of the traditional stuff and then that kind of different tonality of the response to the call and response. Okay, moving right along. So this is where even the most ardent Hank 3 fans get a little bit divided. So as I said, right after he left Curb Records, he released four albums on the same day. Two of them were country records with a little bit of rock leaning stuff on them, but pretty much just straightforward country records to to fulfill, you know, the fans who who expect that. Then he released the Attention Deficit Domination record, which was a pretty straightforward metal project. Again, sort of what some people would expect. Then he decided he wanted to do something that was more experimental that he'd wanted to do for a long time, hadn't had the opportunity to, and that is this. So he learned money goes a lot further when you live in the Midwest and you live in more rural areas. So he moved to a more rural rural area in order to provide for his family, especially during the turbulent time with Curb, as opposed to living in the city, which he talked about in great deal on Loud and Loaded. One of the things he, he did while he was there was attend a couple of cattle auctions and was mesmerized by the, the auctioneers and the way they did that and kept hearing in his head that set to like extreme metal music. So he hired some apparently famous cattle auctioneers, cattle callers to do a whole album of metal songs with them doing cattle calling over it. Again, really divisive, even among the hardcore fans. And I had the opportunity to see him play these songs live. I believe it's the only tour that they did any extensive amount of stuff off this record live. And they they played a good chunk of it. It was a, he just put out the four records. It was a more than four hour show when I saw him that night. So what were your thoughts, sir? In terms of it dividing the fan base a little bit and all that, I'm probably on the side of the folks that are a little less. into. So I think it's a brilliant concept, and I think the idea of pairing these two things is great for the first four minutes of this song. (laughs) (laughs) This is a 10-minute long song, and out of here, this is a 10-minute long song on an album of more songs like this. Concerns me greatly (laughs) because I just... Oh, it's the the whole album. Yeah, it... (laughs) 
I mean, I I think it's brilliant in terms of the combination, but perhaps some editing or restraint to to maybe pull it down. Yeah, this is really clever and all that, but maybe I just don't have the right full appreciation of auctioneer delivery. But I got, I thought I got most of it in the first four minutes. You know, that was good. Like I said it it was it was cool. It was really really interesting. I personally felt this this could have been accomplished in less than 10 minutes but so i like i said i love the concept length was a little a little bit of a challenge for me i'd be siding with the luddites that are maybe not as enthusiastic about this fine combination but it was it's amazing it's an amazing concept and delivery in moderation I think part of it too, and this is, you know, nowhere near my favorite album of his. I was trying to give you a pretty diverse spectrum of what he does though, when I put the playlist together, rather than just go all the more traditional country stuff, which is the bulk of his material is traditional country. Dick and Dixie and Rebel Within are indicative of what 80% of it is. With this record though, like I knew this was particularly divisive and I might lose you on this one, but it's so interesting to me. And I, I think part of it is knowing the backstory of him kind of being stuck with Curb Records. And then as soon as he got off there, just wanting to do something weird and experimental. And this is what he came up with. <laughs> and it's just such an interesting thing. And seeing sort of being there to see the gestation of <laughs> and that come out that way was really interesting. So that's <laughs> It's a, it's something that is interesting to me. I was interested for four <laughs> minutes, <laughs> so, maybe five, maybe five. <laughs> Not the hour plus album. That's no, a part of. no, no. Since since I got tuckered out of the ten minute song, I think the album's it's Lou Reed heavy metal music territory. Maybe at that point. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the last song on the playlist: "Ghost to a Ghost." This was one of the another song off of the four albums after he left Curb. This was one of the country songs off the country. It's actually the the last song on the first record, but also the title track goes to a ghost. One of the things that's interesting with this is he is a huge Tom Waits fan. And at this point had built enough of a name for himself that he actually got Tom Waits on this song. So you get some deeper, more guttural Tom Waits vocals along with his more traditional country delivery. What a remarkably sad and grim story is laid out for us in this song. I like the song. It is, like I said, it's a sad story delivered. Uh, it's delivered initially with that you got that kind of High Sierra, Spanish influence kind of feel to it in a traditional kind of way. And then apparently, I, I was totally unaware that Tom Waits was a member of Gore, but Gore shows up again. Sing some of the guttural material as well. So I hadn't missed that connection. So you, you get that nice juxtaposition in less than 10 minutes and it's really cool <laughs> and uh and then the kind of so it was you had this kind of spanish influence kind of country stuff going on you get the kind of guttural delivery on some of those pieces there and then you get this kind of really kind of cool ambient-esque finish to it so a nice song with good complexity and very very enjoyable glad you enjoyed it sir and again the, this along with dick and dixie and rebel within her are more of what most of his material is like. But I, I was trying to give you a mo- little more varied taste of it <laughs> just to see if it, it chased you away because I'd really like to do Straight to Hell as a, a full album Prisoner Exchange. I welcome Straight to Hell. I do not welcome the Auctioneer album. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it wasn't on the list. <laughs> yeah, so basically Dick and Dixie, Rebel Within, and Ghost to Ghost were my three favorite as I, I kind of point score them too as I'm going on here. So when we talk about it, I kind of let you know where I fell on. There wasn't anything in here I disliked beyond the length of a mad cow, but 
I like collecting <laughs> overall, so it's cool. Very nice. So again, friend of the show. We'll definitely have some more of him on there. I'm glad you made it through the first country playlist. And as you guys will see soon, I, I gave Kelly the first rap album <laughs> exchange, so that'll be coming soon as well. That should prove to be an experience. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Excellent. Well, really appreciate everybody listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. And thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Like and subscribe. Bog Panda. Uh, 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 uh,